Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. So the episode I have in store for you this week, it is an episode that is both good and uh, sad. It is simultaneously happy and depressing. There are uplifting things and there are things that might get you to be a bit downcast all in this episode this week. But before we get started in that, I just wanted to ask you all to kindly subscribe to the podcast feed, turn on the notification bell. That way you get the new episodes, you get a notification when they drop, you can turn on auto-download so they automatically download and you can listen to them. Please uh, like, heart, rate, review, do all that stuff to help me get the message that God's law teaches us about economics and that God's law is still applicable today. Not in the sense of salvation, Paul cleared that up very well in the book of Galatians, but in the sense that God's law teaches us how we should govern our nation's laws today. So please follow on social media, share the social media posts, do all that stuff to help get the message out there. So what is this message I have this week that is both depressing and also happy at the same time? That is that America, after all, I titled this episode Thoughts on America and the Future. America may fall. America, most likely in the future, is not going to be this uh, center of Christianity in the world that it has been. If you look at church history, there seems to always be a center of Christianity in the world. At first it was Jerusalem, and then maybe uh, Antioch around there after Jerusalem, but eventually it moved to North Africa, and then into Europe, and across Europe to the UK, and then to the US, and it seems to be pretty much done that the U.S. is the capital of Christianity in the world. When I say capital, I don't mean some like weird sense, like we have a pope or something, but I mean like the nation that is doing the most sending out missionaries where the theological scholarly work is happening the most and things like that. That, I can't tell you where it'll be next. Maybe it'll be Zambia, uh, maybe somewhere else, but it doesn't seem that it's going to be America much longer or that it really has been America for some time. It looks like America is falling, not just in a spiritual sense, but in general with everything going on with the national debt that's been climbing by the trillions for decades now. It's not just a Biden thing. It's not just a Trump thing. It's not just an Obama or a Bush thing that it's all of them and even their predecessors that all of them led to the national debt being the, I don't know, I think I lost track of where it was at around the start of COVID. What is it, like $27 trillion now or something like that? Things like that. The 
inflation that's going to cause. And then if Japan's anything to use as a, as a test case, the deflation that will come after the inflation. And as bad as inflation is for an economy, deflation is typically even worse. So all of that on top of the lack of Christianity in our nation, on top of the spiritual effects of that, which is God judging a nation, on top of the birth rates that are below the replacement level in America, that right now we have the concept of reproduction inertia from the baby boomers still being alive, keeping us going. And, but once they start to die off in a couple of decades, that the population in America is going to start declining because of the birth rates, all of this stuff is really just making it look like there might not be much of a future for America as a first world nation. And this isn't just true of America right now. This is looking to be true of all the first world nations. As bad as America is right now, Canada is worse with James Coates and uh, Archer Pulowski and the multiple other pastors, Tim Stevens, with the churches being burned down as the government just looks the other way and says nothing about the arson, or uh, the United Kingdom, what we see going on there, or Australia, that, man, Australia, from everything I'm hearing, is like everything going on in Canada and the UK is nothing compared to Australia right now. But even then, even certain parts of the United States, like New York City or Hawaii, are pretty bad that uh, God might be judging all of the first world nations for all of the wickedness that we've been doing. And one way God might be judging the first world nations is with the Great Reset. Because that is not just a conspiracy theory. The Great Reset is real. I don't know how many of y'all who listen to the podcast like Michael O'Fallon, but he's been warning people about this for years. You know, six or seven years ago, he was the guy describing 2020 saying this is going to happen i don't know when i think 2020 or 2021 are pretty plausible years for it to happen but i might be wrong but i know something like this is coming soon and then he laid out 2020 and he said basically i don't know when this is going to happen but i think 2020 or 2021 are probably when it's going to happen and he was exactly right so the guy that was called a tinfoil hats conspiracy theorist in like 2016 actually proved basically predicted 2024 or five years before it happened. And he's been talking about all this stuff with The Great Reset for years now. He's got multiple podcasts on the subject. A lot of video series with men like James Lindsay trying to fight critical theory because that is one of the big things being used to deconstruct nations, to bring in The Great Reset, things like that. And now I want to give a little bit of hope here. So far, it's been real depressing. So far, some people might think I'm a conspiracy theorist myself. I'm not. QAnon's dumb. I'm not into QAnon at all. Isn't it Reddit that QAnon's on? I don't get on Reddit enough to even follow QAnon if I was into it. If I'm going on Reddit, it's probably just to check some like anime subreddit that I maybe do like once a month. Let some you know anime or manga or Pokemon subreddit. That's all I get on on the rare occasions that I get on on Reddit. Um, but. This isn't just like conspiracy theory stuff. This is what I think from the Bible we see and just from the world that we see is actually coming on our nations. And I want to give you some hope now that the Great Reset won't ultimately be successful. It may be partially successful. It may result in millions of deaths. But we will never become like the people in this perfect day. 
I don't know if you are familiar with the book, This Perfect Day. It's really good. If you like books like 1984, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, you need to read This Perfect Day. It is just as good as those other three, if not better. I will give a bit of a warning on it. This Perfect Day is a lot more graphic than probably 1984 and Brave New World combined. It's pretty graphic, but it does a really good job. And that's why Michael Foster, not Michael Foster... It does a really good job, and that's why Michael O'Fallon has been telling people to read that book for years now. He's the one who got James White to start telling people to read that book because he got James White to read it. So, basically what I'm saying with that is we won't become like 1984 or like This Perfect Day across the entire world like those books were. No empire that has tried to contend against God has stood without falling since Jesus took the throne 2,000 years ago. Jesus is now at the throne. All of his enemies are being put under his feet. He is king. He is on the throne. So sure, there are times when an evil empire, like with Hitler, he gets a lot of power. Millions of people died. We see that with other atheistic communist regimes in the 20th century, but none of them ever had some kind of world conquest the likes of which the Romans nearly had. I mean, sure, it wasn't across the entire world, but for technology 2,000 years ago, the Romans basically conquered the entire world as far as how far they could travel. We haven't seen anything like that, to my knowledge, in the last 2,000 years. Because Jesus is on his throne. Jesus is the king of the world now. And so, while people might be trying to push the Great Reset... While we might have world leaders like, you know, the Prime Minister of Canada talking about how this is a great time for a great reset, because Justin Trudeau actually said that about a year ago, it won't ultimately be successful. Will it be painful? Yeah. Will there be actual gulags at some point? Quite possibly. Will there be a lot of people die in the process? Probably. Will it be successful? No. Will it conquer the church finally? No. I'm post-mill. That's not going to happen. Christians are going to win in this case. And I'm going to get back to that here in a bit in this podcast episode. Psalm 2 is still true and Psalm 110 are still true. Let's read those. Let's read first Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples meditate on a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his anointed saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. But what's God's response? He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord mocks them. Then he speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his fury saying, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of Yahweh. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like a potter's vessel. So now, O kings, show insight. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he become angry 
and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. So what is Psalm 2 teaching us? Psalm 2 says that it's broken up into four sections of three verses each. First three verses. The nations are rebelling against God. And wow, don't we see that today? Nations coming together to rebel against God. It seems like every first world nation on the planet is doing that right now. But what is God's response? What is God's response to all the kings of the earth coming together as if in a giant army all arrayed against God? God laughs. He makes fun of them. God is so much greater than even every single human on the planet combined that if every single human on the planet were to combine their power to rebel against God, God would just laugh at them for attempting something so futile. To steal an example from Paul Washer, it's like a gnat trying to crush a piece of granite the size of the planet. That rhyme, that wasn't intentional. It's like a gnat trying to crush a piece of granite the size of earth by bashing its head against it. That gnat's just going to kill itself. And that's what it's like if all of humanity combines their forces together to rebel against God. And then Jesus jumps into the picture and talks about Jesus. And most people, you know, they'll debate whether this is referring to uh, when he was born incarnate on the earth. As after all, it was just incarnate. He wasn't, his life didn't start when he was born. Jesus is God. He is eternal. Is it referring to when his incarnation first started? Is it referring to his baptism? Is it referring to his death? Is it referring to his resurrection? I think most people think it's referring to his resurrection. That Jesus is given dominion and possession of the earth that he has given this inheritance of the ends of the earth and that Jesus will crush those who rebel against him. Those who rebel against Christ, he will break with a rod of iron and shatter them like a potter's vessel, like an old earthen vessel that if you drop it on a hard ground will shatter into a million pieces. That is what Jesus does to those who rebel against him. But it doesn't end there. It says that these kings, they should take warning They should show insight. They should serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. They should pay homage to the sun. They should, that's what it says, that's what it means when it says kiss the sun. They should show homage to Jesus lest he become angry and they perish because of his anger on the rebellion. But all who take refuge in Christ are blessed, which makes an inclusio to parallel with the first verse of Psalm 1. So we see there from Psalm 2 that Jesus is king. He is on his throne. He will crush his enemies and all those who repent and pay homage to him. That is, all of those who repent of their sin and believe the gospel will be blessed. So what is a way to apply Psalm 2 to nations? Nations that rebel against God will be crushed. Those first row nations, if they even continue to exist as a sovereign state will probably become second or third row nations. And uh, what do we see basically every first row nation on the planet doing right now? We see them rebelling against God and we already see the beginning of the destruction of some of them with declining birth rates. Japan far ahead of the curve than America is with declining birth rates. Uh, Latvia I think is actually quite a bit further ahead than Japan when it comes to declining birth rates. But then there's also Psalm 110. What does 
Psalm 110 say? Psalm 110 says, Yahweh says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies as a footstool for your feet. Yahweh will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, Have dominion in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely in the day of your power. In the splendor of holiness, from the womb of the dawn, the dew of your youthfulness will be yours. Yahweh has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings in the day of his anger. He will render justice among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will crush the head that is over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Psalm 110, the most quoted passage from the Old Testament and the New. Psalm 110.1, that Jesus is putting all of his enemies under his feet. God the Father is putting all the enemies of Christ under his feet. That includes America. That includes Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, the entire continent of North and South America and Asia and all the continents, all the entire planet is all being put as a footstool for Christ. Christ is footstooling all of his enemies. He does this by crushing them. He either crushes them with the gospel and turns his enemies into his co-heirs, or he crushes them by destroying them. Whether he does that directly by some kind of divine act, some kind of direct divine act, or whether he does it indirectly by letting the nations destroy themselves in their rebellion, by letting them go so far into their rebellion that they actually destroy themselves rather than Christ directly destroying them himself. One of those ways, Christ is putting all of his enemies under his feet. This is why we should be praying imprecatory prayers. This is why when we see tyrants in government, we should pray that God crushes them. First and foremost, pray that God crushes their heart with the gospel and brings them to repentance and faith. And that secondly, if he doesn't do that, that he will get them out of the picture so that they are no longer a tyrant. That he will crush them in a more physical sense than crushing their heart with the gospel. That is how we as Christians should be praying. We didn't unhitch the imprecatory psalms. Some people that make jokes about how we didn't unhitch the Old Testament but are still acting like we unhitched the imprecatory prayers in the book of Psalms. So, all that to say, going back to what I said a bit ago, all the first world countries may falter and or fall in the future perhaps by the end of the century, if not in the next couple decades. But a third world country may rise to the top and take their place. In the next century, we, or maybe more specifically our kids and grandkids, could see a third world nation rise to the top and be the next first world nation, the next leader of commerce and politics and things like that on the planet. And here, what I'm about to say here comes from a live video Marcus Pittman did on August 31st of this year, 2021, just a few weeks ago. It was called just, it's been a while, dot, dot, dot. Marcus Pittman was talking about God may make a picture of his gospel to the world that can't be denied by a third world Christian nation rising to the top as all of the first world nations are falling under their own evil as God is crushing them. God may 
bring a Christian third world nation and take that nation and bring it to the top, make it a first world nation and make it evident to the entire world that their Christian faith was the reason why. And something Marcus mentioned in that video, he was talking about how this was kind of done with the Reformation, but things like the printing press were so new when the Reformation happened that documentation from then that survived the nearly 500 years until today, it can be kind of hard to come by. Sometimes it can be kind of hard to tell exactly what happened somewhere because did that place even have a printing press to them yet? Or were they still waiting to get their first printing press? Were they still going on only handwritten things? If they did have a printing press, was anyone even using it to describe the events that happened? But we have quite a bit more technology today than 500 years ago to record things that are happening. Technology that will make it apparent to any with eyes to see and ears to hear that this was only made possible. This nation's rising to the top while most of the world is in an ash heap. That It is only made possible by the gospel. And that could be done in because of several things. It could be done because of the gospel, because of the Protestant work ethic, that Christians are to work and work hard because God has called us to work. It could be Christian morality. Christian morality is a blessing on business. So it could be some of the aspects of Christian morality to just bless that nation's economy and make his economy take off. And it could be more in just the spiritual sense, not even the directly causal as we think of it sense but the more spiritual sense that god blesses those who obey him whether an individual or an entire nation so if god blesses individuals who obey him how much will god bless the entire nation and the economy of that nation that as a whole is obeying him so i think marcus made a good point with that that we may in the next century or two just see one or even multiple Second and third world nations rise to the top and become some of the new world powers. And it is made evident that it was only possible because of the Christian faith by and large practiced in that nation and because of the gospel. And that this will be a light to the gospel for the entire world when God does this. And thus God will be glorified. God's glory, the changes that come with God's gospel will be made apparent. Jesus will continue to build his church because Jesus will not break his promises and he promised that he will build his church. And the gospel will prevail just because our areas of influence where we are may be diminishing and may be diminishing even greater and even faster in the future. The gospel will still prevail and Jesus will still continue to build his church. So be faithful in your current ministries and areas of influence. There are things we can do now to try to stem the tide or even if we can't stem the tide to light a path for those who will go through the ashes and rebuild or perhaps build somewhere else. And trust God for a potentially very painful future in America, the UK, Canada, Australia, and other nations. Rely on God through it. Remember Isaiah 6. Continuing on past verse 8 or 9, because I know everyone loves to stop there in Isaiah. God tells Isaiah that his ministry will be basically fruitless. He will preach to people who won't listen to him, but that there is a holy remnant that will be saved even while the rest are destroyed. And that remnant will be sanctified through the trial. And we might be seeing that process repeated in the 
short future in the world today. So I know this was probably a pretty depressing episode, but I hope you all will be encouraged that Jesus is still king and his plan is still being accomplished. Remember that church history seems to tell us that Jesus loves the dying and rising story. Not just the dying and rising story of his atonement for us on the cross, but also dying and rising stories of his bride. As there have been so many times when it looked like the church was dying under persecution or natural disaster or some other issue, but then she would rise from the ashes and thrive once again because Christ has promised to build his church, thus making a dying and rising story in church history, not just in the gospel. Because like I said, Christ will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. But remember something about gates. They prevail not by attacking, but by defending. That means that the church will attack the gates of hell and those gates will not present a successful defense. We have a bright long-term future, even if the short-term is very dark. Take hope in that and trust in God. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace. Oh, you say.